We would like to welcome you to this edition of the Apostles Corner podcast. And now, Apostle John F. Morton. Greetings one and all. This is Apostle John Morton with the Apostles Corner out of Fort Worth, Texas. Today's message that I would like to deliver would be entitled A Misconception of Faith. We're going to be coming out of Hebrews 11, 1 through 6. Chapter 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gift, and by it he being dead, yet still speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. A misconception of faith. Many people say that they have faith. But the reality is they've never really weighed what it means to have faith. Beginning in verse 1, it says that faith is a substance of things hoped for. My question to you today is what is it that you hope for? Above all things, the majority of people that I ask this question, they are unable to answer it because they hope for many things. And most of what they hope for can be translated into the physical. But we do not serve a God that is flesh and physical, but a God of the spirit. Therefore, the things that we truly hope for should be by the spirit. Before I go any further in attempting to bring this revelation to you, I would like to stop and pray for a fullness of the presence of the spirit in what we are about to do. Father God, we declare the greatness, majesty, might, and power of who you are in this day. We say that you are God over our intellect, over our aspirations of emotion, over our physical desires, and over our accomplishments. And above all things, you are God over the accomplishment of our hands. We declare your truth this day. We cast down every spirit of confusion every spirit of distraction, and every spirit of ecumenical fortitude that your word might be known. Let the names, the titles, and the voices of all men be made a base in the presence of your Holy Spirit, that your words and your intent may be known to your people. All these things we pray in the sweet, wonderful, everlasting name of Jesus. Amen. I really need for you to focus on the things that I'm about to give you. We're going to jump around a lot, but this is not about flesh. It's about letting your spirit stand up to hear what God is saying. 
Let's look at verse 6. We read at Hebrews 11, 1 through 6, but verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The scriptures tell us, are ye not all gods? We have made so many things gods in our life, and we lust for the gods in our life, be it a, a woman, a house, a car, or a good job. We have made these things out to be gods in our life. And what is a god? Something that has power to dictate over your choices. But it says without faith, it is impossible to please him being our God, the God of all creation. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. The scriptures say that faith is the evidence of things hoped for. What is it that you hope for? In the depth of your spirit, what do you hope for when it comes down to you needing faith? In times of trouble, we have faith for, the God, for God's ability to heal our family member or to heal a situation in our spirits or in our emotional aspiration. But too often we have faith in, I remember uh, listening to a Paula White broadcast. And during that broadcast, she was talking about faith and she said, some of you need to go into that Lexus dealership. And one woman went bananas screaming and falling out on the floor. Her faith was not in God. Her faith was in the power of God to give her what she wanted. Cain and Abel were in a situation where one labored with a desire to please God. The other labored to defeat his brother to get God's honor just so that he could have what he wanted. Once again, verse 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. That side of that verse is for you. Because you hope for things. And the substance, something that you could touch of what you hope for, it lives in you. If it's a car that you're looking for, if it's a job, you're not going to sit around at home waiting for somebody to knock on the door and say, hey, uh, we're looking for an employee. You're going to get in the paper. You're going to get online. You're going to go out and do uh, applications. Why are you doing it? Because this is the substance that says that you can have what you want. But when it comes to the things of God, the only substance is your ability to believe that God is able to work in you and through you. The second half of verse 1 says that it is the evidence of things not seen. That side isn't for you. That side is for everyone around you because they're not seeing the will of God. They're not seeing the manifestation of his spirit. But through your faith, you become evidence of those things that are not seen, that they may be known to be true. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but what are you hoping for? And are you evidence of the manifestation power of God in your own life? 
Here's another example. Faith does not simply exist on its own. There is a primary side of faith, which is the, the substance and the evidence. But then there's the transition of faith, which I call wholehearted belief. Let me give an example. In Acts chapter 27, starting at, let's start at verse 23. We know uh, in this chapter of Acts, Paul was shipwrecked. He was a prisoner and he was being taken to Rome. Starting at chapter 23. Now let's go to verse 22. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but only the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, for thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God have given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told to me. So many of us have faith, but we believe something intellectual. We do not seek God for what he's saying, what he's doing, and the direction that he's going. But you know, Paul simply said, I believe God. But that meant nothing to these people because people outside of godly faith need some kind of evidence of this thing because it's not seen to them. They're looking at it, but it looks like nothing. So they need evidence. The ship did eventually make it to an island. And when it did, Paul, the, the people looked at him and they said, what in the world? He was right. I can't believe it. We actually made it. But then a, a viper came out of the fire and latched onto his hand. The scriptures say that Paul shook it off and felt no harm. But the people around him began to declare how he must be a thief or a robber. Because though he escaped the sea, fate will not part from him. They stood there and they watched and they waited for him to fall. And Paul never fell or swole up. At this point, they changed their whole concept of what they were seeing. Now they said, this man must be a God. You know why they said he must be a God? Because they've never seen a God that could deliver you from impending death. They prayed to their gods before they went to war. They prayed after they lost, but they never saw a God come down and deliver you in the midst. So they figured he must have been a God. So now he's evidence of the thing not seen. But if you never understand what it is you hope for in faith, you will never be able to convert over to your faith being solely based on seeing the will of God fulfilled in the world around you beginning with yourself. And once you've reached that point, then you can be evidence of things not seen because the world does not see it, but you now have power to reveal it to them. But unfortunately, many of us have only given a revelation of faith that is similar to what the world has, which is simply a belief 
in the fulfillment of what they desire in the natural realm. Faith has nothing to do with what is going on in the physical around you. If we go back and look at verse, uh, let's see here, verse 3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Look around you. The things that you see did not create what's before you. The things that are seen were not made of the things which do appear. Men appear generation to generation. New lives. They are not the source of all that you see. All that we see in the world around us is a manifestation from the spirit realm. All things are first spiritual and then physical. The verse goes on to say that without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When it says you must believe that he is, in other words, you believe his existence. If you believe his existence, you believe his omnipotence and his power. And if you believe his omnipotence, his power, and his glory, then the first thing you do is seek to be acceptable in his sight, to be pleasing to him, because you believe that he is God. He is God over your desires and your lust. Most of the time, we simply have faith for what it is we desire to obtain. The things which are seen were not made of the things that appear. Everything comes from the Spirit. Knowing that everything comes from the Spirit, we will in faith seek God and declare what it is that we want. But faith is a substance of things hoped for. What is the foundational thing that you hope for? Is it that the will of God be done in the world around us, beginning with us. Because that's the root element of you being in place to please God. You can't have that hope except that you know that God is and that you desire to please him and that his will be first and foremost in your life above the lust of your eye, the lust of your hands, and the lust of your wayward heart. And I say your wayward heart because when the entire heart is committed to the will of God, all you can see is the will of God. Yes, we do lust. We desire things. But we also see when those things are based solely upon our lust of the eye. I often find myself saying, Lord, I need you to help me to be content. And to believe what you said. He said, I've already provided all things pertaining to life and godliness. If you're walking godly, then everything that you need is there. He may have said life and godliness, but godliness comes first. Because in godliness, we escape the lusts of the flesh. The scriptures talked about us never uh, coveting 
our neighbor's belongings, but we do it by the lust of the eye. You may not steal from them, but you take that first step of wishing that you had what was not yours. How content are you with the will of God? If there are things that you want to accomplish, but they don't fit into what he's doing, can you let it go and let God? It's not a matter of him not wanting to, you to be happy. But first, he's got to be God. And you have to desire his course in your life. And have faith that what he intends is perfect. But see, when we don't allow him to be God and God all by himself, when we fail to accept the fact that without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Sometimes we don't have time to seek God because we're too busy seeking everything else that will bring us satisfaction. When you lift your head in the morning, what is the first thought in your mind? Do you, lift your, do you open your eyes and the first thought that you can find in your head is, Lord, I just want to thank you. See, this is an indication of being in a position where you diligently seek God. You've only opened your eyes. As a matter of fact, you haven't even opened them. You just realize that it's a new day. And the first thing that comes across your mind is, Lord, I just want to thank you. You wake up, you're in pain from stiffness. You have to think about the weights of the day. But in it all, the first thing that crosses your mind is his goodness. This is knowing that God is. And when we know God is, we have to perceive what it is that he desires for the day. We wake up with, a desire, with an intent and desire to attain. But the thing that's most important is that we attain his will for this day that we be bold enough to say of the things I desire help me to overcome all of them that do not align with what you have planned for this day faith has nothing to do with anything in the physical realm and because of that your faith has to be connected to the source of by which it comes from the Spirit. And I ask you again, what do you have your faith in? Is it in the will of God in your life that already provides all things according to life and godliness? Or is it based on what it is you desire on a day-to-day -day perspective? The Word of God says, Are ye not all gods? And we make ourselves out to God, to be God. We make ourselves out to be the author and finisher of our day, our week, our month. But here's the thing. How much time do you have in this life? I know that when I lay down at night, I do not embrace 
a belief of anything but the will of God. And Father, if my course is done, I thank you that I've finished this race respectfully. We plan, we make long-term plans and we never consider how much time we have left to please God, to show our commitment to him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Are you hoping to see the will of God manifested in the world around you? God did not create you for your own endeavors, for your own little circle. He created you to be a part of the great move of his spirit. I've had people say to me, I don't have to do anything because Jesus did it all. I'm going to tell you what Jesus did. We are in a dispensation of grace. When the landlord tells you that you are under a grace period, he's not saying you don't have to pay the rent. You have a period of time that you're going to be excused from any repercussions of not paying it. We are in a dispensation of grace, a time where the hand of God is not sending judgment or persecution upon us for our choices. But the dispensation of grace will come to an end and there will be judgment. Everybody wants to believe that Jesus did it all and that's it. Yes, it is it. The thing that he did was tear down the wall that separated us from God and hinders us from being able to do his will. You see, when the spirit of God left the temple, he no longer abided in a building of brick and stone, but now in the fleshly hearts of men. Jesus opened the door for the Holy Spirit, the very power of the living God to live in you and to empower you to do the things that he desires of you rather than being stuck in the lust of your flesh. We even do it in the church. We've set our relationship with the church as a greater element than our relationship with God. If God wants us to do something by his spirit, it's going to have to make its way past the pastor first. Because we honor the creatures more than the creator. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And if you're hoping for things of the spirit, that lives within you. The very power that spoke this world into existence. And that is because Christ died on the cross, that it might live in you. He did not die for you to have an excuse to not do what is right by God and get away with it. He died for you to have the ability. God spoke to man in so many ways to let him know what was the desire of his heart. But no matter what, men could not seem to do what was right. And the Lord said, except that I can put it in their heart, they will never have a chance. There was not one that was worthy to be a protege of the spirit. But the word became flesh and walked among men. And the word revealed the word in everything that he did. Because the first thing that God had to do was show man that in the flesh, 
existence, you can serve him. You can be obedient to him. You can understand his directives. And the world watched Christ do that very thing because the spirit of God was in him. They were one, even as you have power to be one in the Father today. And after he proved that it could be done, there had to be a sacrifice, a final perfect sacrifice. And Christ did not just die for man, because any man can die for a man, but Christ kept that body alive through a multitude of sufferings. And when it was all finished, he declared such and gave up the ghosts. Through this, the Holy Spirit lives among us today, empowering us to walk in faith for all that God desires for us. He doesn't ask you to enslave yourself into a, a, a perfect life. He asks you to live your life and allow him to be a part that he might walk with you, direct you, warn you of the, the dangers, empower you to do the things that will encourage others and strengthen others and awaken them to the fullness of his presence. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. He is God. Not me. Not my emotions. Not my money. My car, my woman, my house. My authority on the job. Though these things have the power of a God, they are not God. There is but one true living God. The question is, are you subject to him with a desire to have faith in his decisions? By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than his brother Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous because his actions were committed to fulfilling the will of God. God testifying of his gift and, and by it being dead still, he was able to speak. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before this translation, he had this one testimony that he pleased God. Do you believe? Has your faith transitioned to a place of wholehearted belief where you know that you please God. See, because he's not judging you by the content of your hand, but by what lives in your heart. Though you may fall short, your faith is not in your ability, but your faith is in the intent of God in your life. And the world sees it. In a time of failure, you still say, but the Lord is God. In a time that you are being exalted by all around you, you say, glory unto God. A misconception of faith. A redirection of that which should be.
a beginning of walking in the authority and power that God has given us, a power and authority that is there to aid our brothers in a time of weakness. The beginning of walking in it is understanding where we have a misconception of faith. Everybody says they have faith. Every religion, there's a foot, football players, I have faith. Basketball, I have faith. But what they have faith in is their ability to accomplish what they endeavor to accomplish. But once again, once again I say, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That has nothing to do with man and his endeavors. That has to do with the spirit of the living God. Things which are seen, they were not made of the things which do appear. Today, would you be willing to stop and ask the Lord to reset your heart and give you a greater clarity on the faith, where it comes from, and what its purpose is. Anything that we do in this life, we don't do it to fail at it. Everything we do in this life, we do it with a desire to accomplish. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Will you be substance that declares the truth of everything that you hope for, knowing that it is real because what you hope for, for the world around you, now lives in you? Will the world look at you and see the evidence of the things they don't see all around them? All this because you have taken the endeavors of your heart, your fleshly heart, and allowed them to be a reflection of the will of God. We have a literally new van, but it's at a point now where I could go and trade it in and get something brand new and feel good about it. But the Lord made it clear. He said, you need to be content. Just because you can have it doesn't mean that you should. Men tr tend to have more faith in their finances. There'll be something going on in their head about a purchase. And they have faith that they can restore the finance. Well, I know I don't really have the money and uh, it's, it's not a good idea to do this right now. But I have faith. That the Lord is going to restore my finances. Okay, you have faith the Lord is going to restore your finances. But do you have faith in the directive that he's speaking to you about the lust for things that he's not supporting? There will come times that there are things that you really don't think that you should have. And the Lord will say, I've accounted this unto you for you are seen worthy of it. We don't like the word no. We only want to hear that what we want is okay. This is why so many people are married for two years and divorce. This is why so many men 
they believe they have a desire to serve God, but they're with a woman that won't listen to a word they say. I remember one of my marriages at the end of it. I found out that there were six men that I could count. At the time, I had a radio broadcast in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I thought that I had my head all together. But I wasn't watching her. I had no suspicion. But by the time God showed me, there were six men that I could count, and he told me, don't you dare be mad at her. Because when you met her, you laughed with her about how she cheated on her husband. So you know who she you knew who she was when you met her. And by the way, you said she was your wife. I didn't. Then he told me all that you've labored for, this business, the cars, the house. You give them all to her. You did it all for her, you give it to her. We don't like to hear anything that doesn't line up with what we have power to believe. We'll believe in ourselves, but we're not walking in faith. Because faith said, even though this is painful, I must trust and believe God for his directive, not my own. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you allow the Godship of your life to stand in the presence of him, then you may find you catch yourself weighing out on the scales of directive. It's not hard to make yourself feel equal to God when you're making decisions based on what you want rather than what he's saying. Because you can weigh out if you're going to do what you feel you're being guided to do in your spirit or if you're going to do what makes you feel good. I can't speak of how many times in business that the Lord has told me not to take a deal, but I saw the money in it time after time. I would, I would do what I believed. It wasn't faith I was working on. I was working on the power of belief for the outcome. But faith hears the spirit of God and faith withdraws from the hope of the flesh. And every time I have to apologize to him, I remember one customer, the, the issues just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And the Lord said, give him his money back. This was months later. I didn't owe it to him. But the Lord had told me not to take the, the job. Surrendering, it took faith. Faith that said, God said, give that money back. Not faith that God was going to restore it, but faith that I am following what he's telling me to do. I have faith in what I hear in my spirit because I'm diligently seeking him. And when I seek him, sometimes his directive does not feel good. But thus saith the Lord. The Lord taketh, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. I'm learning.
I'm learning to walk in faith. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And what is the word of God saying? Whatever it is that he desires of you this day. Take the whole scriptures. Put the whole Bible away. Put it all away. And take the Ten Commandments. Write them all out. Study them. If we would just line up with the fullness of what he gave us in ten simple commandments, we would automatically walk in a fullness of the entire Bible. That's hard for us because we don't want to accept that we are subject to the law. This is not the law. This is the commandments. The last verses of Revelation says, Blessed are they that keep my commandments that they might have right to the tree of life and enter in through the gates of the holy city. We have been freed from the law of hell, death, and the grave. But God does not change truth. The commandments stand. One of the worst ones that we break is thou shalt not uh, bear false witness against your neighbor. Number 10, we go to church. We stand together. We fellowship. Then in the car on the way home, we're talking about people and the woman that was sitting near them and the way they were looking at them. We're bearing false witness about how we think they are. What we think they've done. You know nothing but what you see with your eyes. The Lord told, I was livid with Donald Trump. I, God told me, leave Donald alone. You don't know him. I know his heart. I know his life. And I know his hereafter. You are enraged with what you see in the content of his hand. But I know a part of him that you could never know. I don't judge him yet. So why do you spend so much time judging him? And above all things, why do you exit the place of peace that we share in order to express your anger with him? And in faith, I let Donald go. I stopped being so angry with him. Everybody around you is going to live the way they want to live. God gave free will, but there is a price to pay. And unfortunately, the greatest price that there is to pay right now is in the body of Christ. At least the wicked stay away from him. But we stand in the knowledge and the revelation of him and we bring our mess to the table and think because it's covered up that it's okay. No, it's not. It's not okay and it's not covered up. Let us find the doorway to correct faith, to undaunted faith, to committed faith, to a sacrifice of faith, all that we may please the God of all creation. Heavenly Father, we declare the majesty, might, and power of your name. We say that in this life, you are God all alone. 
You are God over our emotions, our finances, all the things that we possess that we believe somehow exalt us. Father, in this moment, let the names and the titles of men be brought to nothing. Let them be brought low and made a base that only your name can be heard in the heavens and the earth. We declare the victory of your presence in our lives. We declare the spirit of revelation over the word that has been given that those who are looking to find you in that place of their hope, let their hope become a substance that reveal to men the evidence of who you are. This day, Lord God, we lay all that we are before you. We reset our minds that they might catch up with our heart. For in our hearts we have endeavored to know you, but in our minds we have been somewhat overbearing. But you've tolerated us. Let us have the wisdom that is needed to receive you and your directives above all that is in us. We pray all these things in the sweet, wonderful, everlasting name of Jesus. Amen. We would like to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Apostles Corner podcast. We would also like to invite you to visit us on the web at www.theapostlescorner.com. Here you'll be able to listen to additional podcasts, read messages on our blog, and review the services provided by our ministry. And don't forget to register to receive notifications of the new posts on the blog and podcast. May every action of your day be filled with the evidence of his grace and mercy in your life.